0: In November, Governor Kathy Hochul signed legislation establishing the quote-unquote Freelance Isn't Free Act, which is designed to increase the rights and protections for New Yorkers working in the economy as independent contractors. The measure is focused on making sure freelancers get timely and full compensation and ensures legal avenues to pursue when the workers' rights are being infringed. For more on the issue, we're joined by the measure's Senate sponsor, Brooklyn Democrat Andrew Gennardis. Welcome back to the show, Senator. Great to be here, Dave. thanks. So can you give an example of the type of situation that uh, this legislation is hoping to address?
1: Yeah, I'll give you uh, two examples. The first example is a freelancer, let's say a freelance writer who you know writes articles on contract uh, is commissioned to write an article for some publication, does it you know produces let's say a thousand words, 2,000 words, submits it for publication. And then just never gets paid. Um, that is one scenario. Or a second scenario is, in fact, when they, that same uh, writer, contract writer, produces their writing, submits it, and then is told, we can either pay you in full six months from now, or you can accept 75% or 70% of payment now, and then we'll consider it done and closed. Uh, your choice. The reality is like 65% of freelancers live paycheck to paycheck and 75% have reported uh, having been um, not paid for work that they perform. On average, we estimate that uh, freelancers lose between $5,500 and $6,000 a year in lost payments for work that they do. So this is really meant to protect these workers. And there's more than 2 million freelancers in New York State uh, from these types of practices.
0: The governor vetoed what appeared to be an identical version of this bill last year with the veto message, arguing that the proposal would cost millions of dollars for the state to implement, funding not accounted for in the current year budget, and would be impossible for state regulators to effectively implement. How did you get from that veto message in 2022 to the governor signing the bill in 2023?
1: We think it was very important in this law, and this law is based on existing law that operates already in New York City. So we have a proven model about how this law operates. What this law does, it has two avenues of recourse. Number one, uh, a contract worker, or a freelance worker can go to court because they'll have a contract that they can sue on when they're not paid Or number two, they can file a complaint with a government agency. Um, In our original bill last year, that agency, that enforcement agency, was the Department of Labor. The Department of Labor has a lot of issues on its plate right now. They're going through a bit of a transformation. They're doing a lot of other wage theft work. And so the the governor's position was, we don't want to give that agency that's already burdened more to do. Let's figure out another appropriate government agency that, a freelance worker can go to for recourse. So we took that feedback. We came back to the table and said, what about the attorney general's office? There's a Bureau of Labor Policy in the attorney general's office. And that seems to be the next best option we have for a government agency that can help enforce the provisions of the freelance isn't free act that is now
0: law. So if I'm say a pizza place without an HR department and I wanna hire someone to take photos for our Instagram page, for example, how do I go about writing up a contract that I'm going to use to hire that photographer as opposed to maybe just a handshake agreement that we might've struck in the past?
1: Great question. So the first thing I'll say is that the requirement that a freelancer has a contract for their services only kicks in when the value of that work exceeds $800 over a four month period. So it's not like you're hiring someone for a $100 project and that's it. It's really meant to get at like, you know, higher value work that's consistent over a longer term. Uh, But let's say in your scenario that the project's going to cost more than $800 over that four-month period. Part of our legislation requires that a model contract be posted on the government's website. In this case, it'll be the Department of State. There'll be a model contract there already that the freelancer would be able to use when they are now contracting with you, the pizza parlor owner, uh, for his ser- his or her services, so that's kind of how we think we'll be able to help folks along in this way. New York City also has a model contract that they use on their website. In the New York City's case, it's the Department of um, Consumer and Worker Protection. So there are other models out there that we can rely on, um, and it's nothing that complicated. It really is. The contract just says like what the project is, how much it's going to be paid, and when the payment will be due. Those are the three most essential pieces here. we're talking about
0: for for the example that you gave. You mentioned the threshold for requiring a contract. In the initial version of your bill back in 2022, the threshold, I believe, was for $250. What made you decide to raise the, the cap? Was there an assessment that that was a more meaningful number? Does $800 represent a compromise? How did we get there?
1: We got there because that's the current threshold in New York City. And, you know, there are 2.2 million freelance workers across the state. A lot of them live and work in New York City and are already operating under the city's version of freelance isn't free. And so for consistency purposes across the board, uh, and we don't want to cause more confusion for folks, we thought, you know, after thinking about some more, it made more sense to have it be more consistent so that city and state law are the same here. And we're not creating kind of conflicting or contradictory uh, legal rights for these workers.
0: Well, before we move on, let me reintroduce you for listeners just joining us. This is the Capitol Press Room, and we're talking about the new, quote, unquote, freelance isn't free law in New York. And our guest is the measure's Senate sponsor, and he is State Senator Andrew Gennardis, a Brooklyn Democrat. Well, sticking with that idea of overlap, if I am an independent contractor in New York City... Who do I bring a potential complaint to in the future? Do I go to the city agency or do I go to the state? Do I have both options at my disposal?
1: You have both options, but you have to elect one. So you can either – like I said earlier, you have two avenues of recourse. You can go to uh, a government agency, and that could be if you are a New York City freelancer, the Department of Consumer and Worker Protection, or you can go to the attorney general's office. Um, Either one, you elect one of those two. Or you have the ability to take the contract that you signed, that is signed for your services, and when you are not paid and when the contract is violated, go to court and sue for payment on that contract. And if you are successful, you will get double damages so that there is a strong financial incentive for the hiring party to not screw the worker here and not pay them.
0: So moving forward, how do you spread the word about this once it takes effect so that both freelancers as well as businesses are aware of either their rights or their responsibilities? You know, we should do a roadshow, I think, across the state,
1: you and I taking your podcast across the state. Let's do it in every city and every town uh, and really get the word out. Uh, you know, we we have a strong coalition uh, of different organizations that represent freelance workers or different types of freelance workers, writers, photographers, designers, you, know, you name it. Uh, they've been instrumental in building awareness for this campaign and for this law. And now they're doing the work to educate their members about this. Um, and then it's doing stuff like we're doing now and really getting it out in the press about these new changes um, and, and making sure that folks are aware of, of what's going on now. Uh,
0: in this new part of the law. In the future, when all of these different provisions take effect, if for no other reason than ignorance that a business and a freelancer don't necessarily follow the law, is there some sort of punishment? And if so, who is it for
1: That's a great question. So the way the law is structured right now, this creates a set of rights for freelance workers. And so now it's the freelance worker um, who is contracting for their services has the affirmative uh, obligation uh, to say, hey, if you want to hire me, here are the terms under which I will be hired. Here's the contract you need to sign. Uh, it really, we think that, and, and based on how it's working in New York City, we think that really the worker, in this case, is empowered to set the terms of the negotiation and say, "You want to hire me for a contract job? Here's the contract. Here are my payment terms. Here's the cost. Here's everything. You know, and this is what you have to sign in order to make it official. Um, if the worker elects not to do that, that is their choice. Uh, the default, however, under the law is that payment must be made within 30 days, no matter what, unless the contract says otherwise. So if there is no contract, a freelance worker can still be hired by a hiring party. That party still must pay within 30 days uh, under the law. And so we think that it's set up in a way to really empower freelancers, but also give them a strong safety net so that if there isn't the contract, they still have a baseline of legal recourse on which to be able to recover their lost payments from.
0: Well, finally, in the freelancer space, is there additional work that needs to be done in 2024 legislatively? And if so, is there anything that you're thinking about right now?
1: You know, I think thinking about health care costs for freelance workers, because oftentimes they're paying for it on their own, is a really big issue that we need to give a lot of thought to. Uh, another bill that is on the governor's desk right now that I'm hopeful she will sign is a bill that will allow will, will open up New York State's Secure Choice Retirement Program to freelance workers. Uh, right now, you know, secu- the Secure Choice Program was enacted a few years ago. It's basically a low cost government run retirement program for workers in companies that don't provide a 401k or an ira or whatever it might be through their employer it's a government-run option it's almost like a a public pension but for private workers that when the program was created and it hasn't started yet but it's supposed to be starting within a year or two freelance workers who don't have a traditional employer were excluded We passed a bill this year that would remove that restriction and allow freelance workers to be able to save for their retirement in the Secure Choice Program. That legislation is currently on the governor's desk. We're hopeful that she'll sign that. If she doesn't, we'll come back next year and take another swing at it. Retirement security, healthcare affordability, and payment security, I think, are the three pillars that really freelancers need in order to have thriving careers.
0: You mentioned the expansion of the Secure Choice Savings Program. That's another bill where the legislature has taken a second stab at it, if I remember correctly. I think your, your former colleague, Diane Savino, carried an expansion version of that in the past, and that was vetoed by the governor. So are you pushing the same bill there this time? Have there been tweaks? Or is there an assumption that maybe you can work out some sort of chapter amendments this time around to make the proposal more palatable to the governor?
1: I don't want to give away too much yet because we're still, in, you know, trying to negotiate and see where we are. We have a couple of days left, and we are having serious and, and earnest conversations about this bill. Uh, I think some of the previous concerns were about the when the bill would kick in because the Secure Choice program isn't operational yet. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense, you know, some of the old provisions of the old bill kicked in before the program was even operational. So it's making those kinds of changes and creating, I think, a little bit more flexibility for how the how freelancers would be able to access the program because they are not coming from a traditional employee-employer relationship. Uh, but those conversations are ongoing. I remain optimistic. I think we can get there. Um, and it's another piece. You know, If you look at a long-term horizon, retirement security for workers across the board is an issue that we don't talk about enough. And if you don't have access to a retirement plan, if you don't have access to a pension or a 401k, you have nothing. And so really trying to figure out a solution here to help these folks. Again, two million people in the state of New York would benefit from this.
0: Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to leave it there. We've been speaking with State Senator Andrew Gennardis. He is a Brooklyn Democrat. Senator, thank you so much for making the time. And I hope you live forever and don't have to worry about a pension, at least. I hope so, too. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Dave. Take care. And for more Capitol Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show.